1: It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women
2: that make up the Oakland Athletics organization.
1: It all starts right now.
2: Time for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, and we're with the man we call the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, two-time World Series champion, two-time Gold Glove winner, two-time All-Star. This is part two of The Art of Catching because part one, Fosse. We did a half hour, and we couldn't cover it all. Yeah, well, there's so much to do. I mean, if you think about really the way it
0: evolved, what you started out looking at, at back in the 1800s and during the uh, 20th century, and all that, but. You know, it has changed. Just like baseball has changed, and I think there's so much to talk about with regard to catching. And you know, you tell me where you want to start, and we can go. But but you know, bottom line, there is so much to talk about uh, when when you think about catching. When I came up, it was a certain way. Now it's a different way. But still, catching is the most important job on the field. Um, you know, with Dallas Braden, when we're on TV, he starts talking about athletes in the middle of the field. I said, you can't be talking about pitchers because they're not athletes. He said, no, nah, no. I mean, just like, you know, not too long ago when uh, uh, Matt Shoemaker hurt himself in a rundown, that's the job of a catcher. And, and Maley was there. If you remember the pickoff at first base when Chapman was off a little bit, Maley threw down. In the in the video, or actually our highlights, we could see Matt Shoemaker run to first base. Now, as a catcher, your job is to run 90 feet because at that point there's nobody else on base except that rundown between first and second. So your job as a catcher is to bust it down there 90 feet, get the pitcher out of the way, so that you as a catcher can get involved in the rundown. Mealy was there, but Shoemaker got in front of him. Worst thing could happen because he's out for the season with a torn ACL. But that's just one little thing about a catcher's job that, sure, you're behind the plate in doing that job, but you're also part of a rundown because you're an athlete. And I, I, I was kidding, Dallas Braden, I said, hey, athletes are there for a reason. He said, yeah, because we don't practice rundowns, which they don't. They throw to first base and then the rundowns are ensued. But usually it's an infielder or catcher that gets the pitcher out of the way so that he does not get hurt. And I'm sure with Matt Shoemaker, he was pounding his, his fist on the ground
2: knowing that he felt it, and we could all see it. And ultimately, he's out for the season. When I think catching, I think fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And before we get into the art being behind the plate, if we want to talk about why catchers have to be so heads up, I think the great play by Ramon Laureano. Mm-hmm. He jumps over the fence, brings the ball back, turns around and airmails it, right. Right? right? And then Kendry's Morales is like a wide receiver. But, I mean, he literally threw the ball right. 20 yards past first base. In any other stadium, this is in the stands. Exactly. Hunley, though, right in front of the dugout, catches it, and like a quarterback on the run, mm-hmm. he's thrown across his body and he throws the second base to get the runner to get that double play. But as great as the catch was by Loriano in the athleticism, just the baseball smarts by Hunley the veteran catcher to make sure the ball doesn't go in the dugout mm-hmm. and get the runner at second base.
0: Does it remind you of Derek Jeter coming over from shortstop a yeah. lot uh, too long ago? I mean, it's the same philosophy. Tony, the the one thing about a catcher and and again, just kind of an explanation. If there's nobody on base, a ground ball is hit, you bust it. If there's a runner at first base, you can do the same thing. You have to back up in the event the throw is a bad throw and you're there to back it up just as Hundley was. But if there's a runner at second, you can't vacate home plate. You have to stay there because if you go to first base, if there's nobody at home, that runner can around third and head to home and be safe. So you have to be heads up. You know, the old theory, the old saying about tools of ignorance for a catcher, that's baloney i mean if you don't have some smart spot with you and and how you prepare yourself and how you play the game and knowing the various situations you're not going to be a good catcher so you know the, the again when you say tools of ignorance maybe you're putting those things on and you're going to get hurt but bottom line it's one of the smartest guys on the field because of so many things that a catcher has to do but that's just one example and you think of the coliseum compared to now so many well most every park. There's very little foul territory. I remember old Tiger Stadium. It was like a road trip, same, similar uh, foul territory, but you have to take a different angle. You can't run straight. You have to take that route as Hundley did because of the foul territory at the Coliseum. You have to take that route so you're in a position for a throw coming from, in this case, Laureano, but you also have to be there for a third baseman or shortstop or even a second baseman making their throw because with so much foul territory, if there's a bad throw, The guy can run forever. So the catcher's job, as thankless as it is, my first year as a pro, I don't have to work out. You know, I'm a high school kid. I pulled a groin back at first base. And I learned from that point that you have to have strong legs to be able to do the job behind the plate. And
2: if you don't, you're going to get yourself hurt. The thing for me, too, about catching, which is so important, it's 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 the tough part of the job is blocking balls. And that's why I I wanted to do this part, too, because people don't realize when you talk about what you have to do to fundamentally learn how to do it correctly, to block that ball so it stays in front of you and you can control it and just the pounding that catchers take to, to, to be great at your craft, You have to give up a lot of your body, talk to that.
0: Well, the most important word you said in that conversation was block. So many times you see catchers try to catch the ball. That's not blocking, if a ball is in the dirt. The technique is that you go to your knees, you jam the catcher's mitt between your knees, and then you kind of turn your shoulders inward so that you you kind of cup it. So if the ball hits the ground and comes up, it's going to hit your chest protector with your shoulders so that it stays close to you. If some catchers who have a hand behind their back and try to block, by the time they get their hand back in front, their body is turned sideways. So what happens? The ball hits and it goes too far away. But ideally, and Josh Fegley, I mean, Marcus Jensen does a great job working with these catchers. Every day, he's working on them. And it pays off, pays dividends because – it gives the pitcher the confidence, like with Chris Bass at the curveball the other night, with Fegley catching him. He knows can anticipate the ball is in the dirt. And he's going to block the ball properly. But if a catcher, and there are times, and I will say that sometimes a pitcher will overthrow a ball, and you have to become an infielder, backhand, forehand. You know, you have to do things. You don't have time to move your body. But the best case scenario is if the ball is in the dirt, you get your body in front of it to block the ball. Not catch it. Try to keep it close enough, and hopefully you can pounce on the ball and throw out a runner if he tries to take the extra base. But if you don't, you're going to make yourself a – one of, the, one of the things that you see so often is a catcher will come up. Well, what happens when you come up? The glove comes up, the ball goes through the legs. You can't do that. You have to jam the ball or the glove into the ground so that you're blocking that wicket in between your legs when you go down. And if you don't, it's, it's going to be bad. But, you know, it, it's a thankless job because you have to work at it. And there there was a a soft baseball, kind of like an incredible. It's the same size of a baseball. So it does not take this you don't take the same pounding on your body that a real baseball does but i mean ideally it's just the technique working the legs working the hands working the upper body to make sure you block the ball but it's uh it's something that you have to work on one thing that i remember when i was with cleveland we would play the cincinnati reds and the hall of famer johnny bench i'll never forget i was we were old actually i think it was crosley field i was down uh towards the bullpen area working on blocking balls and dirty he says what are you doing i said i'm working this is why? And I said, because I want to get good. I want to be better, you know, because you work on things in spring training. But if you don't do the same things during the season, and especially blocking balls, or you see the PFPs for pitchers, pitcher fundamental practice, if, if you disregard that during the season, all of a sudden things are going to happen. You're going to say, wait a minute, I didn't do that until spring training. But you have to do it. And that's like blocking balls in the dirt. Maybe Johnny Bench didn't need to but I felt that I wanted to continue to work at it. And what Marcus Jensen does now with the is he works every day with them. I mean, for me, it was maybe once a month, you know, kind of going over the, the uh, I wouldn't say habit, but just, I mean, getting the right technique of blocking balls. And you have to do that by practice because the worst thing, and, and that's why my scorebook, Tony, I have catcher's blocks. Nobody has that. And I've, I'm a proponent of having catcher's blocks as a statistic. Everything else is a statistic. Why not catcher's blocks? Because you think about it. If you block a ball with a runner at first base, he doesn't go to second. He stays at first which he doesn't score rarely from first base. You keep the double play in order. And then you have runner at third base. If you block a ball, you prevent him from scoring. I have that in my scorebook, and I have marks every time a catcher blocks a ball
2: because I know the importance of doing that and baseball should recognize it. You realize we could come up with a Fosse analytic? (laughs) You can be in analytics now, Fosse. You're like a sabermetrician. I just know that regardless of what is called the bottom line,
0: it's important to block balls, and if you don't, and, and you know, several years ago, uh, I remember walking, in, and I can't remember who was managing, I do know, but I'm not going to say, but anyway, the, everybody was in there, and I said, what was the most important play of this game today, and the runners at first and second, and it was the Angels, and um, I can, there was a speedster on, but he said, I don't know, the home run, I said, no, it was the catcher blocking the ball, I said, oh, you catchers are all alike, that's all you think about, I said, think about it, if he doesn't block that ball, that second and third, as it turned out, because the catcher blocked the ball, six, four, three, double play, A's are out of the inning. So there's your importance. You keep the double play in order by, by blocking balls, keeping the runners from advancing. And if you have a strong arm, you know you can block the ball, keep it close enough, the reputation of you having a good, strong arm, the runner's goes, say, I'm not going to run. It's like Laureano on center field. They're not going to run on him. Same with the catcher. Josh Figley, I said something to him, because the important thing of a catcher which, you know, blocking ball is important, but I also like the throwing part because you catch and warm up eight pitches from the pitcher and then you throw to second. It's important that you take that throw to second like you're simulating somebody stealing. Why? Because maybe they're watching saying, I can't run on this guy. He's got a strong arm. So, you know, just the little small things about catching. But blocking balls, to me... I've got it in my scorebook.
2: I don't think anybody else does. It should be a stat, and maybe one of these days it will be. Before Before we get throwing the baseball, it kind of reminds me of a hockey goalie Mm -hmm. because a hockey goalie, you need to block the puck – and you need to keep it in front of you to be able to pounce on it because if it gets back out, right. that's when guys knock it right. past you. And I think that is so it, – it's a special skill to be able to keep the ball in front of you no matter what kind of pitch mm-hmm. it is to be able to keep that runner from moving because right. the minute, as you said, he gets away, he's getting second and sometimes if not third. Well, that's true. And, and, and again, it's
0: it goes back to the legs. If you have strong legs, you can be mobile. You you watch guys, and the worst thing, Tony, if there's a runner on base or two strikes on a hitter, when you see a catcher down on one knee, he's limiting what he can do to block a ball. Now, if there's less than two, or, or two outs, and there's a strikeout, then the hitter can go to first base. But if you're on your knees, you don't have the mobility that somebody does in the proper position to move laterally. But it, you're right. It's it's exactly like a goalie. It's a thankless job. But at the end of the day, probably more so in a goalie because you could catch a whole game and not have to block a ball. But obviously in, in uh, hockey, you're going to block a lot of goal. Shots, and you know that's why they don't have teeth. You know, <laughs> but but you know you'd have the mask and everything. But but no, it, it it's I tell you, when you, you, the game is over, and I joke and I say, well, there's another bag of ice because when when you're trying to block, you have the shin guards and you have the chest protector and the mask, and you block balls. But inevitably, you're going to hit it on your arm because you see guys turn their arms trying just any way they can to block the ball. Well, you take a 90 mile an hour fastball that hits your arm, it's gonna hurt, it's gonna bruise, so you put ice on it. So after the game, if there's a delay, especially on getaway day, it's because usually the catcher has bags of ice all over his body, and that's something that trainers have to do to be ready.
2: You mentioned Johnny Bench or Pudge Rodriguez who just went into the Hall of Fame, guys that we look at having rocket arms. Some guys don't have rocket arms. Then you gotta have a quick release. Talk about the art of throwing the baseball for a catcher because it's not only second base, it's first base, it's third base, the ability to throw out runners.
0: The most important thing is have a strong arm, but also have quick feet because everything starts at the base. If you don't prepare yourself by getting your feet ready in the proper position, having a strong arm doesn't matter because you, you don't get lined up to throw to second base or third base or first base on a pickoff. But the one thing you can do more than anything is throw long. Take an outfielder, like Loriaño. You say, hey, Ramon, let's play catch. And he wants to stretch it out because he's an outfielder. But as a catcher, the farthest you're throwing is the second base. First base is 90, third base is 90, second base is whatever Matthew wanted, 60 feet to the mound and then add another 30, so maybe 100 feet or 110 feet. But if you go to the outfield and you throw 300 feet, You come back behind the plate, you throw to second. It's like there's nothing there. You know, it's short. So it's it's a matter of strengthening the arm. Uh, We had a recent telecast where we showed um, saw a young kid throwing against a wall, and I remember Merv Redman as an outfielder. He would throw against a wall and distance to increase his arm strength. You don't have to have somebody. But in the case of, uh, of a catcher, outfielder's always wanting to throw, especially someone like Laureano. I keep bringing him up because he has a very, very strong arm. But if you could stretch out your arm, then that's gonna make it easier for you to throw to the bases. But the footwork, and I remember Terry Steinbach when he was a third baseman became a catcher. Everybody talked about hitting a home run. I think it was 96, his first, or 86, his first uh, first at bat uh, against Greg Swindell in Cleveland. He threw out a base runner, and I said, forget about the home run. Look at his footwork because he, Tommy, There was a stolen base attempt. All of a sudden, his footwork was so tremendous. And he had a strong arm anyway. But he came up and threw a bullet to second base. The guy was out. I said, that's what it's all about. You know, hitting is great. But your job as a catcher, doing the little things of handling the pitching staff, throwing out base runners, blocking balls in the dirt, it all encompasses your job as a catcher. And if you don't, it's going to show up because a catcher is going to save more than he's ever going to drive in.
2: And there is this weird dynamic because you got the guy on the mound Who wants to be comfortable with everything he's doing? You got the runner on first base that you know he's fast. And sometimes pitchers are so slow to the plate (laughs) that. For a catcher, I mean, you got no shot at throwing the guy out. Right. And then also, it also depends on what you're going to call because you got a better chance of throwing a guy out if it's a fastball versus if it's a curveball. So sometimes catchers just want to throw, they're worried about their own <laughs> stats. They just want to call fastballs when they shouldn't be calling fastballs because they don't want the guy to steal. It really is an interesting dynamic.
0: It is. And I'll say this Sandy Alomar Jr., who was a great catcher for the Cleveland Indians, he would tell his teammates, if you get on first, watch out because if Pudge Rodriguez is back there, the hitter's gonna get a fastball. And that's kind of the, the thing, just like you said. If the ball is coming straight, it's perfect. But anytime you see that, and, and and I think that's why you see a lot of times with two strikes, and then let's say a pitcher has a good curveball or a split finger fastball, and that's his go-to pitch for an out. The runner runs because it's hard for a catcher to handle the ball, first of all, and then to get the footwork working properly to be able to throw him out. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is amazing. I've talked to I've talked to pitchers who don't like the fact that a catcher should control the game. Uh, I talked to Chris Bassett recently, who said Josh Fegley and I are on the same page all the time. I just sit out there, stand on the mound, and he calls a pitch, and I know it's right because we've been together. But you have guys who are stubborn. And but if if you try to take away from the pitcher's strength to help yourself throw out a base runner, that's wrong. Because you have to work on getting the hitter out. If the guy steals, you know, you're going to do your best job. I had pitchers in Cleveland. And it's I talk to Dennis Eckersley all the time because I had Eck, Jim Bibby, Don Hood, and Pat Dobson. I would throw to third to cut them off because there's no way I could throw them out at second. And they knew it because they were very slow and deliberate to the plate. And... So I'd throw anyway, and i try to hurry, and i tell Rick Manning in center field, which is another very important part, something that Ramon Laureano does very, very well. As soon as the ball passes the plate, the hitter, and there's no action, and the guy's stealing, you're a center fielder. What do you got to do except charge? Because if there's an overthrow, they're there to keep him from going to third base. It's not so much of a catcher avoiding an error. It's more, uh, there goes another 90 feet, and that guy can score from third base uh, so, uh, so much easier. But, you know, if you have a strong arm, it more than can make up for a lot of things. But if you don't, the quickness in which you release the ball. Uh, the late Dell Rice, who was my catching coach in Cleveland, he would always say your job is to get the ball to second base as quickly as possible, no matter how. And it's their job to catch it, whether it's a bounce, a throw in the air, whatever it might be, their job is to handle the throw. And to be able to tag the runner. The worst thing for a catcher is look at a second baseman, a shortstop, and he's taking the throw in front of the bag, because he has to catch it and then swipe and try to get the runner. Can't do it, you know, because the runner's smart enough to go around the tag, and inevitably he's going to be safe. That really upsets a catcher. But from the throwing standpoint, benches. Uh, Thurman Munson was the Thurman Munson. God rest his soul. The only catcher that I ever saw that wore batting gloves behind the plate. He would he says, I don't care about throwing out guys. My hands are gonna stay warm because I'm and that's what he would do. I'd say, Thurman, what are you doing? He says, I don't care. You know, he'd throw sidearm the ball, you know, he had a quick release, but he didn't care. You know, he just did that. But throwing, but it's all really telling the footwork. And, and I that's why I think a lot of times when you have in the case of Terry Steinbach, you know, at third base you have to be really mobile, range. You get behind the plate, it's all about footwork. It starts there at the base and goes up. You can improve your arm strength, and you can also improve your footwork. And if you do, you're going to be a great thrower.
2: And good for catchers now. The game has changed because, really, the stolen base, oh, wow. the bunt, the stolen base, they're not really a part of the game like it used to be. I talked to the great Gary Pettis, the
0: Houston Astros now coaching third. He was a great base stealer, close to 400, and nothing close to Ricky, but still, you know, five-time gold glover and all that stuff. And I said, Gary, why don't guys steal anymore? And the one thing he said was, "You're going to take a chance and give up an out." You know, you don't want to do that. But you know, between the bunt, let's say first and second, nobody out. If you sacrifice, sure you're giving up an out, but you have second and third. Maybe the infield comes in, it makes it easier for the hitter. But the stolen base, uh, statistically, and they have it all by clock because they know how quickly a catcher gets the ball from the pitcher to throw to second. The runner at first, they know how fast he is from first to second, and they know the release from the pitcher. They have it all calculated. So they may say, okay, that's four, you're three, so you can steal it. <laughs> you know? And that's the way it is. But, but I agree with you. If you have speed, let's say D. Gordon, uh, you have Hamilton now with Kansas City, uh, Gore with Kansas City. I mean, these guys can fly. And why not take advantage of that? Because if you can steal 90 feet, things can change. Maybe the ball goes to center field, there's another 90. Then you get a routine ground ball. There's a run, and I think you're going to have more runs scored at the beginning of the game, gifted, versus latter part of the game, unless you know the pitcher you have on the mound is a sinker ball pitcher, and you take a chance, but, but uh, you know, it, it is a changed game, but I think, to your point, exactly right, where, as a catcher, you don't have to think so much now about base stealers, and even more so as a pitcher being slow to the plate, because they just don't do it that much anymore, and I think you're going to find teams that's, that are going to come back and realize that... A home run is great, but it's usually a mistake pitch that you hit home run. But if you can hit and run, if you can steal, I think it's part of the game that probably could come back maybe quicker than any other part of the game.
2: And I think about the guys with the big arm, and I remember I was actually in my booth with Billy Upler, the GM of the of the um, Angels, and Maldonado did the, you know, he's got the big arm, he wants to show it off, and he throws it down to first base, he throws it down the right field line. Horrible. I like the catchers with the big arms, but sometimes they can be reckless. And it's like, why are you making that throw and hurting your team like that?
0: Tony, it goes back to having a good head on your shoulders, being smart, because you're right. Really, first and third, if you're not sure of a pickoff, why even take the chance? Because first of all, you may pick off your own first baseman or third baseman, but if the ball gets away, it's going to go first base down the right field line. Your right fielder's got a long way to go get it, so at least there's two bases, The worst, though, if you try to pick off at third and you make a mistake, there's a run. It's going to come in. So while, you know, you may have some aggressive base runners, but you better be able to be smart enough to realize that if you make the throw, everything has to work. Because the worst thing is to make a bad throw and let the runners advance. But, you know, it's great to have it. I remember one of my highlights, the late Norm Cash, was at first base, the Detroit Tigers, old Tiger Stadium. Bases loaded. Left-handed hitter, I put on a pickoff and picked him off and I, the third out, and I was so happy. I mean, those are little things that happen that you remember. But he got off a little bit too far, and I kind of saw that. And we had a little pickoff play, and I put it on with the first base. When he broke him behind, poof, perfect throw. Got him handing over, you know. Pitchers love it. If, they, if you can help them get out of a jam, I mean, that's the best way to do it. And that's the smart time to try to throw and pick off a runner. If your pitcher's in trouble, maybe you see something happening that you as a catcher can do to make it easier for him to get out of that inning, but you have to be smart. And just to show off your arm, there are other ways to show off your arm. That's the most important thing.
2: You know, when I think about a catcher and a pitcher and they're vibing and you have someone like Gaylord Perry, who's a (laughs) Hall of Famer, or Dennis Eckersley, you could be cruising through a game, but it's not always that way. What is it – what's it like for a catcher when all of a sudden you realize – you get out there early and your guy didn't have it, right. and you got to guide him through this game. You got to yeah. get him through X amount of innings because you can't burn that bullpen. Yeah.
0: That's a good point because usually you have somebody that really wants to stay in the game. And I remember when Gaylord Perry was traded to Cleveland. He had been in the National League. He came to me and said, I don't know anything about these guys. I need your help. And it was great because we didn't have scouting reports. We didn't have all the other ways to try to help ourselves. Uh, to, to, I mean, Gaylord was a pitcher, and I wanted to work on his strengths to get hitters out. But it, it's a way of doing it. I, I like to look at a curveball, for example. Um, it's an important pitch if it, if a pitcher has it. But you don't come right out of the chute throwing it. You you use the best pitch like a fastball, which is a percentage pitch. And then you kind of incorporate a pitch that maybe is a second or third or fourth pitch into how you're calling the game. And the pitcher looks at you, you go, why? And then you have to tell him maybe in between innings or at the time when there were unlimited mound visits. Unlike now, you could actually go out and talk to a pitcher. But it was like... Okay, I know that you're looking at me strangely, but we need to throw that pitch. And he goes, oh, yeah, you're right. So you know it, it's that thing of working together. and and people say, and I remember talking to Mark Langston, and I, I talked to him about the importance of a pitcher relying on his catcher. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? Because he had some catchers. And see what happened? catchers because it's an offensive position now that a catcher might say, I'm upset because I didn't hit. I'm just starting throwing down fingers. Well, he's not really into the game the way he should be. You have to separate the two. But I said, Langer, I know that. But I caught some pitchers like Catfish Hunter who'd say, tell me what to throw. I'll throw it. I don't care because your job is to tell me what to throw, where to throw it. And you know the hitters better than I do. You know, you see them every day. I only see them every four days, which is in the four-man rotation. But it was really an important job as a catcher to know exactly what the pitchers could do and what the hitters could do so that you had a scouting report on it i mean i could i didn't have to write down a lot of things because you see them enough that you could do that but to your point about bringing in all the pitches all the pitches are important because if you rely on one pitch you're just going to get a hit and if you can bring in another two or three or four and all of a sudden the hitters are going what the heck is he going to throw me now that's the best way but you can it's a matter of building the confidence in the pitcher and that's the whole thing whether he's he's a superstar hall of famer or he's a pitcher coming out of the bullpen and trying to get some key outs, building that confidence. And if you call, let's say, a 3-2 slider, he's going, what are you doing? Well, he must know I can do it, so I'll throw it. And get it out. See, there's your confidence where you as a catcher believe. It's not trying to trick the hitter. It's showing the pitcher that you have the confidence in him to make that pitch at that time. And that's part of being a catcher. And, oh, by the way, that's part of being an intelligent catcher too, not just somebody back there throwing down fingers. You have to know what you're doing. So back to your point whenever about, you know, a catcher, Not the tools of ignorance. You have to be smart and intelligent in so many different ways. Pitchers will say, oh, come on, you know, you're just making a suggestion. Oh, really? Well, if you make a suggestion and it's the right
2: one, that pitcher is going to have a pretty good game. You mentioned the slider. More sliders are being thrown than ever before in the history of the game. There's no question about it. And the way guys are striking out, we're going to have the most strikeouts again this year in the history of baseball. We're going to have the most home runs again in the history of baseball. How would you call the game different now than when you did back in your day? The biggest
0: difference now, Tony, is that umpires are graded on how they call a game. I guess they're metrics, cameras, whatever, and they can get it. When I caught the great ones, there was no grading. So I would just move outside, move four or five inches off the plane. And if the pitcher hit the, hit the target, boom, strike one. You know, the hitter goes, I can't reach that. Says, it's a strike. Catcher didn't move. So it's a matter of positioning yourself behind the plate as to how you, you know. You sp- I never, and I joke about it, and but the plate is 17 inches wide. What you try to do as a pitcher, hit two inches outside, two inches inside, you're eliminating a whole bunch of middle part of the plate. Inevitably, whenever a mistake is made, look and see the location. It's in the middle of the plate, mm. and the guys hit it. So the slider and the cutter, which is both, or they're both, and, and I, I think it's a brilliant observation where you're looking at the slider, but you're also cutters because they're so similar. Except the cutter can come in boop, and right at the last instant change, take it off the sweet part of the bat to the end of the bat. Or in the case of Mariano Rivera, he broke your bat with as a lefty bringing it in on your hands. But you know it, it's a pitch that is good, and especially say righty on righty or lefty on lefty. Here comes a big sweeper. I think of column McHugh. I mean, it's almost like he wants to fall behind because you're looking fastball and here comes a slider or curveball or slurve, whatever it might be. Because those pitches, listen, most hitters love fastballs. They just live on fastballs. Or if they hit, here comes a hanging curveball or a, a splitter that doesn't split. They're mistakes and those balls are hit hard. But if a pitcher has a good slider or cutter, a righty on righty, you can set up in the middle to the outside part of the plate. That's your target. And try to have it look like a strike coming out of the pitcher's hand. Ultimately, it's a foot off the plate. Guy's flailing at it, striking out, and that's how you get them out. That's how you would. That's how I'd call it. I would never go to the middle part of the plate. I'd set up middle part away and say, throw it to me, and it's going to break because that little red dot that's always on a slider, it's there. And if you as a hitter don't recognize it and you commit, and all of a sudden you're swinging at a pitch and there it goes, you got no chance. The art of catching part two, Foss. I don't think we're done yet. No, we're not. No, we're no, there is so many things that that part of catching. And, and, you know, I'm going to say this quickly that I had a friend of mine whose grandson was catching and and just the little things. It was a left-handed hitter, a runner at first base. And I said, which something natural for me, I said, the catcher depends on the dugout to yell, there he goes. And my friend says i never knew that i said if you're catching as a left hand hitter you can't see the guy but as a right-handed hitter peripherally you can see the guy take off and you can plan but otherwise he can take off and take four or five steps you don't even know he's gone but the dugout yeah you know, there he goes and then you come up and react just something a little simple like that i love it i love it hey catching is the most fun i got broken fingers <laughs> but i got a couple of world championship rings man and i caught some great ones and you know, it, it was it was so much fun to to go home and my wife girl would say, "Don't you ever th- not think about baseball?" I said, "No, because I'm catching these guys, you know, as a player and then as a broadcaster. But it's always you're preparing so that when you go out behind the plate, that pitcher looks in and said, "My guy is
2: ready to catch me." That's all you want as a catcher. The great Ray Fossey right here, A's unfiltered with Chris Townsend on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. We will do a part three.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best